Israel is celebrating its 74th Independence Day today, May 5th. As Jewish visitors returned to the Temple Mount, they were met by Palestinians chanting Allah Akbar and throwing rocks. Hamas has said if Jews were allowed back to the Temple Mount, it would result in war. Will we ever see peace in Israel? Will there be a third temple? Is this the the generation that shall not pass? We will answer these questions and more on today's edition of End of the Age. Welcome to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell, and once again, you can see Vince Stegall is not here with me today, uh, but we are going to offer congratulations to Vince and his wife, Kate. We've got pictures of his uh, newborn baby, that is uh, Rosie Ray, there on the left, and there's Vince, his wife, Kate, his two boys, Brady and Shiloh, along with their newborn baby sister, who is healthy and happy, and they're all doing well. So uh, we just wanted to share that with you today and let you know how well everything's going for Vince and his family. So just please keep them in prayer that everything goes well, that his wife Kate uh, is healing quickly, and uh, hopefully Vince will be back with us next week or the week after. Uh, At this time also I'd like to announce we have a prophecy conference coming up. It's going to be a little different than some of the ones we've had before. Dave Robbins will be teaching a live prophecy conference in Kaufman, Texas on May 19th for the Kaufman First Church. It's going to be facilitated, though, by Grace Fellowship Baptist at the location is 7650 Farnham Market Road, uh, 1388 Kaufman, Texas, 75142. Well, this will be on a Thursday night. That's what makes it different. It'll be from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock for one night only. Each conference is unique, and it includes a powerful prophetic lesson. Uh, This has no admission fee, no registrations required. Seating is available by first-come, first-served basis. The doors open about an hour before the uh, program starts, and uh, each location, it varies a little bit, so you'll want to make sure you arrive early enough to be able to get you a good seat and then to check out our resource tables and visit with uh, Dave Robbins' wife, Jana, in the foyer of the church there. They'll have all kinds of end-time product for you to look at and purchase if you would like. And if you need more information on that, you can visit our endtime.com slash events for more detail or you can give us a call at 1-800-363-8463. Okay, well... I want to talk to you about Israel's um, Independence Day that they had today. It is, I'm going to try to pronounce this and do it the way it's supposed to be pronounced. It's Yahatzma'ut is the Israeli Independence Day. It's a day of great celebration held every year in late April or early May. That depends on uh, the Jewish calendar. On the day, uh, the Hebrew calendar, which is in 1948, Israel declared its independence 
across Israel, events and celebrations take place to mark independence, both on a national scale and on a more local scale, with almost every city, town, and village having some sort of celebration. So in 2022, Israeli Independence Day falls from sundown on May 4th to sundown on May 5th. So yesterday was their Memorial Day celebration where they honor their fallen soldiers and people who have fallen victim to terrorism. And then today is the day that they celebrate their independence when Israel won their independence. So I have a video clip from uh, I-24 News I want to share with you here because they do a great job of showing you some footage but also talking about what this means to the Jewish people. Happy birthday, Israel! My name is India, and today we are going to experience Independence Day in Israel. Right now, all across the country, flags are flying high, families are having barbecues, and people are dressing up. This is all to celebrate Israel's independence, which they gained on May 14, 1948, after winning the first Arab-Israeli war. And speaking of war, Israel's Memorial Day is commemorated the day before their Independence Day. On Memorial Day, Israel honors their fallen soldiers. For example, all day on TV, they broadcast movies about the army and sad music plays on the radio. But after a day of grief and reflection, Israelis look forward to celebrate. Israel celebrates Independence Day right after Memorial Day to remember that without the brave souls they lost, they would have no independence at all. And for Israelis, the sky's the limit when it comes to celebrating. Here you can see the Israeli Air Force putting on an air show where they fly over much of the country. It's a tradition that most Israelis love. They also love to have barbecues and dress up in Israel's colors, blue and white. On the streets, you can see stores are selling toys like this. And you can't turn anywhere without seeing a flag. So, in 1948, one of Israel's founding fathers, David Ben-Gurion, made a powerful declaration. It was that declaration that birthed the Israel we know today. Okay, so there you get a little bit of the history of what their Independence Day is like. And when you look at that, it's not a whole lot different than what our Independence Day is like. Uh, it's a lot of celebration, fireworks, songs, and, and dancing. And, uh, you know, last night when things started there, they had a stage set up where they had uh, music performers come in and sing songs. They had people from the Knesset. They had uh, the President of Israel and the Prime Minister of Israel there. Just a huge celebration, and they were close to the Temple Mount there around where the Western Wall was. So uh, we've actually had the pleasure of being there during uh, their Memorial Day time. When, uh, when I went back in 2017, I got to go to Israel with Brother Baxter and with our tour group. And um, it was just a, an amazing time because everywhere you looked, there were uh, flags with the Star of David everywhere lining the streets. Uh, that night, there was huge celebrations. During the day, there were flyovers by airplanes, uh, and we, we got to just see a lot of the celebration. There's dancing in the streets. 
uh, children excited and dancing in circles. I mean, it's, it's not unlike what it is here for us to celebrate our time. Uh, but with that kind of celebration, there's always um, the threat of war from the Palestinians, from Hamas, people like that. So uh, when we come back from the break in a minute, we're going to get into some of these news stories along with a breaking news story that I just heard about before I came on the program today. So please stay with me. I'll see you after the break. In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800-IN-TIME. That's intime.com slash future or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell, and uh, at the top of the hour, I was telling you that uh, today is Israel's 74th celebration of their Independence Day. And with that came uh, terror threats and the, the like, and um, I asked three questions. I asked, will we see a uh, peace treaty in Israel? Will we see a third temple? And are we the generation uh, that shall not pass? So I've got a few articles here I want to read before we get into um, the Bible scriptures on this topic. So uh, I showed you the celebration, showed you a video of that so you could see how much fun everybody was having and enjoying themselves. And it wouldn't be a huge Jewish celebration without threats of a terrorist attack, right? So that's what we have. Uh, Hamas threatens war if Temple Mount is open to the Jews on Independence Day. 
The, the terror organization also said Israel bears responsibility for disconnecting the Alaska Mosque loudspeakers on the eve of Memorial Day. Remember, I told you before, Memorial Day was yesterday and they celebrated that. Uh, today's their Independence Day that follows right after. So on the uh, Alaska Mosque, they have these speakers. And when it is time for the Arabs to pray, uh, these speakers go off with that call to prayer. I've been on the Temple Mount, uh, and it was an evening time when I was on there because we had been through the rabbinical tunnels that night and been on a tour. And when we were leaving, uh, the sound of that call to prayer came out. And I know that um, our former president, Barack Obama, said it was one of the most beautiful things he had ever heard. But it sent chills down my back to hear that come from that Temple Mount, uh, knowing what I know from the Bible and understanding uh, about the Temple Mount and, and the Jewish rights to be there on that Temple Mount. So anyway, carrying on with this article, it says, Hamas said on Tuesday that Israel's intentions to allow Jews to visit the Temple Mount on Israel's Independence Day would lead to a fresh round of fighting, according to Israeli media reports. The invasion of the Alaska Mosque on Thursday means an explosion that will lead to a new war, said Hamas spokesman Abu al-Latif al-Qana. According to uh, Ynet, the Palestinian people will not allow the occupation to go back to invading and dividing the Temple Mount, he said. Israel will bear responsibility for its racist behavior. This was the second time in a week that the Gaza-based terror group has threatened war over Israel's actions on the Temple Mount. On April 30th, Hamas leader in Gaza, Yahya Sinswar, said that the war would erupt unless Israel ceased enforcing the law at the Alaska Mosque and accused the Arab Knesset members, Mansour Abbas, of treachery for joining Israel's coalition government. And also on Tuesday, Hamas condemned Israel's decision to disconnect the loudspeaker system at the Alaska Mosque ahead of the Memorial Day fallen soldier and victim of terrorism, which began on Tuesday evening with a celebration at the Western Wall adjacent to the mosque. The Zionist occupation bears full responsibility for the consequences of their crime, said Hamas, According to Ynet, the banning of the Zionist occupation authorities of evening prayer calls out from the blessed Alaska Mosque constitutes severe harm and harm to the sanctity of the mosque. On Monday, Hamas operatives displayed a massive banner in the Temple Mount compound bearing the Id al-Fitr message to the Palestinian residents of eastern Jerusalem against the backdrop of a terrorist armed with a shoulder-fired missile. So just today when I was coming on the program, there was a report that was breaking news that there was a terrorist attack tonight in one of the uh, smaller Jewish cities there. Uh, Two Arab men uh, went into a crowd of Jewish people and began to attack them with an axe. And from what I've heard up to this point, to this point, there were four dead and two people who were wounded. 
and several others who uh, had to flee the area because of these guys with the axes. So I had, it was a breaking story. I didn't get a whole lot of it. But just right now, tonight, it's nighttime over there in Israel now, and this attack occurred. So they're holding up to their word, at least to the point to where there are terrorist attacks. Whether Hamas has launched a full-scale war, I don't know, because at the time I came on the program, that had not happened yet. But it looks as though... Hamas is trying to make good with their threats. Okay, in another story, Palestinian Israeli police clash as the Temple Mount reopens to Jewish visitors. The Time of Israel says fresh clashes, clashes broke out Thursday between Palestinians and Israeli police at the Temple Mount after the Flashpoint Jerusalem holy site was reopened to Jewish visitors amid threats uh, by the Gaza ruling Hamas. The Temple Mount was closed off to Jews on April 21st until the end of Ramadan as part of a year-long policy of bearing on non-Muslim from the compound for the final days of the Muslim Holy Month. This year's closure came after days of clashes at the Temple Mount that began on the morning of April 15th. When Friday prayer for Ramadan, Passover, and Good Friday all coincided, non-Muslims were again allowed back on the Temple Mount as of 7 a.m. Thursday morning as groups of Jews lined up at the Magharubi Bridge where non-Muslim visitors are required to enter the holy site. Video from the Temple Mount showed Palestinians shouting, chants in Arabic as Jewish visitors pass by, including God is great and with spirit, with blood, will redeem Alaska. Scuffles between Palestinian and cops erupted shortly later when police said dozens of the rioters began yelling incitement and hurled rocks and other objects toward officers who responded with riot dispersal means. So, I asked the question before the program, will we ever see peace in Israel? So what does the Bible say about that? The Bible tells us we will. In Daniel 9.27, it says, He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and abomination to cease And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that is determined, shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, the he in the scripture is the Antichrist. And we can prove that uh, by what he does in the verse. He stops the animal sacrifices and he sets up the abomination of desolation. Now, a lot of people, they like to say that Jesus was the one that stopped the animal sacrifices by his death on the cross. And that's correct for us as Christians. That act did. That was one time sacrifice for all time. And the blood of Jesus covers our sins and remits our sins. So uh, that's a true statement. But after Jesus was crucified, the temple remained and the Jews still offered sacrifices for sins up until the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 A.D. Also, Jesus didn't cause the abomination of desolation. And so when people say that Jesus is the one that stops the sacrifice there, that's not accurate. So when we look at that scripture, we see that the he there is referring back to 
uh, Daniel 9, 26, where it talks about the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The he there is the prince of those people. We know that the people that destroyed the temple were the Romans in 70 AD. And so in that scripture in 926, we see that Messiah is cut off, talking about the death of Jesus Christ. But the temple remains until the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD. So Jesus didn't stop those sacrifices in the temple and the temple carried on. But for us Christians, yes, we know we no longer need uh, to make a blood sacrifice for sin because Jesus was that sacrifice. So in Daniel 11:31 and 36, it tells us that the Antichrist is the one that does this. So Daniel 11:31 says, "In arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate." So that's letting us know right there that's the Antichrist and his forces that do that. They take away the animal sacrifices. Carry on to verse 36. It says that the king shall do according to his will and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. And he shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper until the indignation be accomplished and that that is determined shall be done. So right there we see that the Antichrist will sit there in the temple and he will declare himself above God. Okay? Well, Paul tells us this very same thing, except he calls him the man of sin. Okay? That's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So it's very clear that the he here in Daniel 9.27 is the Antichrist. The covenant that we talk about in that scripture is the Abraham covenant that God made with Abraham. Okay, not the one that Trump made. I know that when when Trump made his uh, peace agreement with uh, the Arab countries that he made the peace agreement with, they named it the Abraham Accords. Okay, and that, of course, got our attention like crazy. Uh, I can remember because it was during the time of COVID. We were locked down. I was working from my home. I watched the press conference. I heard that they called it the Abraham Accord. I called Dave immediately on the phone and said, Dave, are you watching this? Did you hear what they just called it? And it got us all excited. Okay, I got a call yesterday from one of our listeners who was very concerned because we have made statements about how the Trump peace plan could have turned into the peace treaty. Okay, well, Brother Baxter made those statements before, too, with other treaties that looked like they could turn into this treaty that we're waiting for, okay? But, but hear what I'm saying. We never said that that was the peace treaty, okay? There are certain things that we have to see to know that this is the one the Bible is talking about. 
Okay, so the Trump peace agreement, it did some great things. It opened the door for uh, trade with some of the Muslim nations who did not recognize Israel as a state, uh, didn't even do business with Israel, didn't want to talk to an Israeli, didn't want to see a Jewish person. But what this did was open those doors up for trade. It opened the doors up uh, for the uh, ability to uh, have the science there that Israel has shared with these Arab countries to have... uh, where you could bring in um, tour groups into some of those Muslim nations from Israel because a lot of the Muslim nations see the prospering Israeli nation. They see Jerusalem and how it's growing. And a lot of that is due to the tourism industry and all the Christians that are coming in there to see the Holy Land. And so this opens the door for some of those Arab neighboring countries to be able to allow to uh, gain some of that profit from some of these uh, tourism industries that are going on with Israel. And so it, it opened a lot of doors and it made a lot of good things happen between some of the Arab nations and Israel. But it is not, however, the peace agreement that we're looking for. The existing peace accord could still be part of it, okay, because they could build off of it. Remember, the scripture says that he will confirm the covenant with many. That word confirm means to Uh, agree with or to make stronger. So it could mean that the Antichrist is going to make the Abrahamic Accord that Trump started even stronger, okay? But it did not include the two most important parties that are involved in it, the Israelis and the Palestinians, okay? Both the Palestinians and the Israeli people claim that Israel is theirs, and especially the capital, Jerusalem. So let's go back to the Abraham covenant that God made, okay? It's found in Genesis 15, 18. And it says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land, and from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the the river Euphrates. So this covenant is that... uh, Will, is what will be agreed upon, okay? It's Israel's right to exist in that land, the land that God gave them. So in order for this peace agreement to happen, we have five specific things that have to be accomplished. They are, number one, the area of Judea, also known as the West Bank, will be given to the Palestinians as their homeland. Number two, the Jews living in Palestine homeland will be allowed to remain living as Jewish minority in a new Palestinian homeland. Number three, the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement so that both Muslims and Jews will be allowed to worship there. And four, the Jews will be allowed to build their temple on the Temple Mount without disturbing the Dome of the Rock or the Alaska Mosque. And the fifth one, the issue of control over Jerusalem will remain unresolved. Now when we come back from the break, we'll look at the Bible and see how we've come up with understanding that Jerusalem will remain the topic that brings down the Battle of Armageddon. So join me right after the break. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? 
With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Hello and welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell. Again, uh, Vince is out this week. His wife did deliver a beautiful baby girl. Uh, her name is Rosie Ray and she's doing good. Mom's doing good. The two boys are doing good and daddy's doing good. I showed a picture of them at the top of the hour and they all look wonderful. They look great and that baby is just beautiful as she can be. So uh, we just thank the Lord for that gift and we just uh, ask you just to keep them in your prayers as Vince takes some time off to be with his family and his newborn baby girl. Uh, at the top of the hour, we talked about Israel's Independence Day is today, and amid the celebration and the wonderful time that they were having, there's also been uh, threats of a war from Hamas, and then we had a terrorist attack that uh, happened just before I came on the air today. So there are things happening in Israel right now uh, to dampen the spirit of the Jewish people. Uh, Before the break, we talked about five things Uh, that needed to be completed in order for us to see the peace agreement that we're looking for. The last one that I mentioned was that Jerusalem would uh, remain unresolved as to the control over Jerusalem. Whenever uh, Trump's peace accord went into effect, the first thing Trump did was he took Jerusalem off the table and he said the U.S. is going to move our embassy to Uh, Jerusalem. That had never happened. A lot of presidents before President Trump had promised that they would do that, but they never did it because of threat of war and because they were afraid uh, that they could could cause chaos there. Trump did it. He just came in. He took it off the table and said, Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. And so uh, with that act and moving our embassy there, of course, that made the Palestinian Authority very angry And Abbas backed off and said he would not come to the table and talk to Trump about the peace agreement, that it would have to be somebody else. So we talked about that peace agreement from Daniel 9, 27 while ago. And I told you right before the break, we would go to scripture that shows us that Jerusalem would remain under 
uh, Israeli control up into the Battle of Armageddon. So we can see this in Zechariah 14, that Israel controls Jerusalem right up to that battle. The battle takes place at the end of the final seven years when Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives and fights for Israel. And this is what Zechariah 14 says, starting with verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So we see right there that Israel controls Jerusalem all the way up until the battle of Armageddon. Then half of the city falls. So you can't lose half the city if you don't have half of it. And right now that's what the Palestinians want. They want half of Jerusalem to be theirs and the other half can be Israel's. Well, apparently that's not ever going to happen. And that's what the battle of Armageddon is going to be about. When the forces of the one world government and the Antichrist come down into the Kidron Valley and come up against Israel, they're going to take half of the city. They're going to capture half of the city. But the other half is going to remain unscathed. And God himself, Jesus, is going to come. His feet are going to rest on the Mount of Olives. And he is going to fight for them at the battle of Armageddon. Okay, now, will we see peace? We will. So that's my question. Will we see peace? Yes, the Bible says we will. But will it last very long? It doesn't appear that it will. It appears it'll be very short-lived. Three and a half years, as a matter of fact, is what we expect. And so uh, the the answer to my second question uh, is, the second question is, will there be a third temple? Revelation 11 tells us there will be. So 11.1 says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be tread underfoot for 42 months. Now, Folks, remember, this is a future temple, okay? The book of Revelation, it's written in three uh, categories. John was told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, to write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So Revelation 1 are the things that thou hast seen, okay? That's what John is seeing in heaven as he's writing there, Revelation 2 and 3, these are the things which are. Those are the letters to the seven churches of Asia. So those are the things that are at the time John is writing. But Revelation 4.1 gives you a huge clue. A lot of people believe that this is the rapture of the church, but it's, it's not. John was, was told to come up here and it says... And these things, these are the things which must be hereafter. So in Revelation 11, 1 and 2, those are a future temple. 
And this is happening during the final seven years. Okay, that's how we know because Revelation 4.1 says, Come up here and I shall show you these things that must take place hereafter. So these are the things that take place hereafter from uh, 4 to 22. Okay, so that's the future. And as we look at that, we see, uh, we know from the scripture that there's going to be a sharing of the temple mount. So notice in Revelation uh, 1 and also Second uh, Thessalonians 2, it calls it the temple of God. Okay, so this temple that John measured, but he was told to leave out the outer court. Let me just talk about that for a second. I'll come back to this. Let me just tell you that that's one of the things that we've talked about for a long time, understanding that there would be a sharing of the Temple Mount because we knew this was going to be a future uh, temple that was measured and that John was specifically told, measure not the outer court for it's getting to the Gentiles and they'll trodden it down for 42 months. So that's how we've known there's going to be a sharing arrangement. Okay. Well, there was an article that we talked about I think last week we talked about this article that specifically said that there needed to be a sharing arrangement, a two-state solution for the Palestinians to have their state, Israel to have theirs, and there needed to be a sharing of the Temple Mount, not just between the Jews and the Muslims, but for all nations. Okay, In that article it said it was a place for all nations. It's very important because that's something that they have been trying to push for a while now. We know that in Abu Dhabi they have uh, the Abrahamic House, which is an area that houses a Muslim mosque, a Catholic church, and a Jewish uh, temple there, or or a Jewish... um, (laughs) Yeah, not a temple, but a... You know what I'm trying to say. I sound like I'm Biden right now. You know the thing. You know what I'm saying. Uh, A synagogue. Thank you. And so people ask how this is going to be a temple of God if the temple of God, if it's true that we're the temple of God. Okay, so that's one of the things people say. How can this be a temple of God? Isn't it the temple of the devil? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. However, the temple in Jerusalem will be a physical temple. And the Jews who are still living under the law of Moses, it will be a place that they worship. The only way they know how to worship till Jesus comes back, okay? They're living under that uh, Mosaic law. And something else to think about, okay? In the book of Acts chapter 21, we see that Paul This is after he's been converted and he's become a Christian. He still went to the synagogues and to the temple. Okay, Acts 21, 21, it says, And they are uh, informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it therefore? The multitude must need come together. For they will hear that thou art come. Do be, therefore that they we do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads, and all may know those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing 
but that thou themselves also walketh orderly and keepeth the law. As touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only they keep themselves from the things offered to idols, from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took the men and the next day purifying himself with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. Okay, now keep in mind that one of the things they're talking about here is there's been talk that Paul's been going around telling Jewish people that they don't have to follow the law of Moses, that they don't have to live by the customs that they've lived by all these times, and that they needed Paul to, to do a show for the people to understand that Paul still believed in the old customs, okay? So Paul comes in to Jerusalem, and he's going there. He's going to go to the temple, but there's these men that have taken a vow, and apparently this was a Nazarite vow, okay? So they had been growing their hair out until their vow was complete, and what they did then, they would shave their heads, and they would offer their hair at the temple, okay? Now, this was not Paul presenting an offering for sin here, okay? So don't think that's what this was about. This was an offering that an oath had been made. They did a cleansing because apparently they had become unclean somehow, either coming in contact with a dead body or something. But this was a Nazarene oath because these men, it says in the scripture, shaved their head. And the custom was once your oath was over, you presented your hair at the temple, okay? So I say all that to you to say this. Paul was born again Christian, but he still went to the temple so that he could be all things to all men. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, it says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I have become as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, and to them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all uh, means save some. And this... I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. So just wanted to show you that even though Paul was a Christian and he teach that we are that tabernacle, we are that, um, that temple of God because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That's absolutely true for a Christian. But it doesn't mean that that temple is not going to be a temple for God. Those Jewish people are making that with every intent to worship the God of Abraham. So i got a little bit more to talk to you about. When I come back, we'll answer that final third question. Are we the generation that shall not pass? I'll see you after the break. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. 
My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with Endtime to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-ENDTIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell. I'm talking about the third temple. We're talking about the peace agreement. And we're talking about are we the generation that shall not pass. So uh, today was uh, Israel's Independence Day. They're celebrating their 74th uh, year as being a nation. So in the Bible, we're told in um, Ezekiel 37, it's the prophecy of the dry bones. And Ezekiel was told to prophesy over the bones and he watched this boneyard uh, rise up and he watched flesh uh, come back on the bones and muscle come back on the bones and it grew into a great nation again. So we believe that in uh, on May 14th, 1948, that that was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 37. And so um, we know that God has brought the Jewish people back into Israel. So when that happened, it was an astonishing thing for sure. And it was uh, a moment in history that uh, started this prophetic will to begin to turn, in my opinion. Before that, you know, we had so many things that were happening, but we didn't have a Jewish nation. A lot of people, you know, when I've talked to people before about the Antichrist and things like that, I've heard comments like, oh, you know, everybody thought Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist and that didn't pan out. Well, the reason why Adolf Hitler could have been the Antichrist is there was no Jewish nation yet. So we know that the forming of the Jewish nation is a very important thing to Bible prophecy. Okay, Without Israel being a nation right now, we wouldn't be where we are right now on the prophetic wheel. All right. But the final question that I ask is, are we the generation that shall not pass? Well, many people believe that a generation is 80 years for men, okay? So if we're living an average age right now, our age is 80. So if the rebirth of the nation of Israel is beginning this generation like so many people think, uh, then she just turned 74 years old. Then does that mean we're about to see Jesus in six years? I mean, right? It'd be six years from now. Listen to what I'm saying because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I just said. I am not saying that we're seeing Jesus coming back in six years. So please do not call Dave tomorrow and tell Dave, Doug Norvell said that Jesus come back in six years. That's not what I said. We understand from Scripture that when we see that final seven years begin with that peace treaty, when we see that, we know we've got seven years. We have not seen that peace treaty yet. Okay? So once again, let me just say, the, the Trump treaty that went out, that was the Abrahamic Accord, or Abraham Accords, that was not 
the peace agreement. It didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle there that need to be there, okay? So the final seven years has not began. I know there's also another teaching that an encyclical written by Pope Francis started the final seven years. That is not biblical either because that uh, does not include the peace treaty between the Israelis and the Palestinians. We know that is a key factor there because those two people, like I said at the beginning of this, are the two peoples that fight over Israel and especially Jerusalem. Okay, So that has not started. Now, is there uh, a way to say that Israel is that generation? Let's look at what the Bible says. Okay, So, we do uh we we know that the 7 years hasn't started yet but could it happen soon okay maybe uh we will we'll have to wait we'll have to see if all these pieces fall in place but we do know um that the generation would would be if Israel uh became a nation again is that when that started we don't think so here. That's not what we believe. We don't believe that that's what Jesus is talking about when he says this generation shall not pass means the generation that saw Israel become a nation. OK, so let's look at scripture and then we'll we'll get into this a little bit more. So Jesus said that there was a particular generation that would see certain things. OK, so that's what you got to remember. Just put that in the back of your mind. Jesus said a certain generation would see certain things. OK, when they saw these things. And Jesus didn't mention a rebirth of of Israel, okay? When he was talking there at the the Olivet Discourse, he did not say that there would be a rebuilt, a rebirth of the Israeli nation, okay? Because Israel was in existence at that time. When he's given this prophecy, he didn't say anything about that. He said that a generation would not pass until his return to the earth to establish his kingdom. So a certain generation that he's talking about. Let's look at scripture. It says Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24, 32. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. You know that the summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see all these things, know that it's near, even at the door. And verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Okay, now Jesus in verse 31, he talked about his second coming. And he said immediately, after he said that, he immediately launched into a parable. He says, you see a fig tree budding and then you know that summer is nigh. In another passage He says in in one of the other Gospels, he says, when you see the fig tree or all the trees budding, then know that it's almost summer. Okay, so for a second, let's talk about the fig tree, okay? Because a lot of people believe that the fig tree is applying to Israel, okay? But it doesn't mean that necessarily. Now, Jesus may have referred to Israel as a fig tree a few times when he was talking about Israel. But in the Old Testament, it refers to Israel as an olive tree, And so what Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking about a fig tree being symbolically Israel. He's talking about just seeing nature itself, okay? There's other times he says things, like when he says, when you see the the eagles uh, 
gathering, you know that there is a carcass lying near. Well, folks, he's just talking about things that we see in nature. I mean, you think about it. I, I live in the country, so I see this all the time. I see buzzards circling up above me. And when I look up and I see a whole bunch of buzzards spinning around in a circle in the sky, I know there's a dead body somewhere. Jesus is just talking things that people understand. So when he's talking about this with the fig tree and he says, and all the trees, he's talking about just the time of season that you begin to see the buds come out. Well, you know that right now we're in that time of season. Uh, I mean, actually, we are physically. We're in spring where we're watching plants bud. We're watching trees bud. And we know summer's coming, okay? The nights are getting warmer. The days are getting longer. We know summer's coming. That's all Jesus was saying about this, okay? So he's letting you know. So he says, likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. He's speaking of his second coming. And then he said, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Well, what things? There are many things that's listed in Matthew 24. Okay, we talk about it a lot because we do believe that we're in a certain era right now. And that era would be uh, the beginning of the birth pains. Okay, that's where I believe we are right now. But there's a lot of things that Jesus mentions here. Wars and rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. But let's be honest with ourselves generations have been seeing this for ages. Every generation has seen these things since Jesus said this. We've seen wars and rumors of wars. We've seen pestilence. We've seen famines. Earthquakes have been happening. Now, have they increased? Yes, they have increased. Okay, but there must be something that stands out. Okay, something that none of us has seen yet. What just so happens that there are two things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 that are things we have never seen, okay? So let's look at that for a second. Matthew 24, 15 says this, And when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, Let him understand. I'm going to stop right there for just a second because I want you to see what Jesus is talking about. This hasn't happened yet, folks. Okay, the abomination of desolation that Daniel was speaking of has not happened yet. Okay, it also says something very important there to let whoever readeth understand. Okay, at the time Jesus was was talking, this was not written down. The disciples hadn't begun to write these things out yet. Okay, so he's talking to the readers. He's talking to a generation that's going to see this. He's talking to us, the people who read the New Testament. Okay, so in verse 16, it says, Then let them which is in Judea flee into the mountains, and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. 
Okay, so two things that we believe Jesus is talking about here is the abomination of desolation, which we talked about what that is earlier when the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt temple claiming that he is God and to be worshipped. That's the abomination of desolation. He'll stop those animal sacrifices. He'll tell them there's no need for them anymore, that he is God and he is to be worshipped. Okay? Then, when the Jews living in the area of Judea have to flee for them, their lives. Now, we haven't seen this yet. Neither one of these things have happened yet. So this coming peace agreement will divide Israel into a two-state solution, allowing the West Bank area, that area of Judea, to become the Palestinian state and the Jewish settlers to remain there under Palestinian rule. And something about what the Antichrist says or does will spark this great tribulation. We don't know exactly what that is yet, but we will know in the very near future. Okay, so to answer the questions that I asked today at the beginning of the program, yes, we will see a peace treaty in Israel. The Bible tells us that. Yes, there will be a third temple. And yes, we believe that we are the generation that shall not pass. We believe that we are very close to that final seven years starting and we will see the abomination and desolation. Now, will the Lord come for some of us before that happens? Sure, he will. We all thought Brother Baxter would be here all the way up until when Jesus came back. But for whatever reason, God chose to take Brother Baxter home. So here's the thing. We've got to look at this through a biblical lens, even when we see things that are going on right now. Like I said yesterday, or Tuesday on the program, it may not look like we're getting there from where we are right now. They have a celebration and then terror happens and you think there's never going to be a peace agreement there. But the Bible says there will be. And we believe the Bible to be the truth of the word of God. We believe it so much that we risk our our reputations. We risk our life on it. We know that the words of the Bible are true. We know that we need to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so those are the important things that we need to look at. When we see these news stories come up, we can look at it from a biblical lens and be able to tell you about it. If you've got any questions about today's show or have any questions about what it means to be born again, uh, don't hesitate to give us a call at 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you all, and I'll see you next week. has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 